Today is Monday. It's the 13th of February, 2017. Oh, yeah. Today, it's the fifth day of our Metta Meditation Retreat. And for some, medi- some meditators, the Metta practice is going quite well. And for some of the meditators, the metta concentration, concentration based on the metta practice, is going up and down. However, this is natural. This happens like this. Whether we practice any form of samatha meditation, whether we practice vipassana meditation, when we engage in meditation practice, then the kilesas, the defilements will arise, or the nivaranas, the hindrances will arise, and so then it becomes like uh, fighting these kilesas or Nivaranas. And that's why the Buddha has said that meditators are like soldiers. Soldiers, or what we call soldiers, are people who fight against an enemy. And so these soldiers, they must always be um, attentive, they must be alert, mindful. If they are not attentive, not mindful, then um, they lose or they will be conquered by the enemy. So when a soldier is not attentive, when he's maybe talking to somebody else, or when the soldier 
is sleepy or when the soldier is thinking about this and that. So in such a moment when a soldier is not attentive, not mindful, then he will be conquered by the enemy. So therefore, a soldier must always be attentive so that he is not overrun by the enemy. So a soldier must be attentive while he is eating. He must be attentive in whatever he is doing. And even during his sleep, he must uh, remain somehow attentive. That's why a soldier must always uh, be attentive and mindful while he is going to another place, walking somewhere, while he is eating, while he's carrying out any activity, and even during his sleep. And something else is needed for a soldier. A soldier must be strong. And likewise for a yogi, for a meditator, to have sati, mindfulness, to be attentive is very important. When sati, mindfulness, is not present, then the kilesas, the defilements, or the nivaranas, the hindrances, they will enter and will conquer such a person. When the nivaranas or the kilesas enter the mind when they are present, because there's a lack of mindfulness, then in that moment the metta, the quality of metta, is weakened or it disappears altogether. That's why a yogi, a meditator, always needs sati, mindfulness. There must be sati, mindfulness, while going somewhere, while eating, and while doing or while carrying out any work. Uh, 
um, when we speak of sati or mindfulness, here it means the mindfulness that accompanies metta. So we have to be careful that when we engage in metta meditation practice, that the mindfulness accompanying the metta is not get lost. In the walking meditation, for example, we have to be careful we have to be mindful that in cultivating metta during the walking, um, we do not lose it. We do not lose the sati, the mindfulness. And also during the general activities, we have to be careful that we are mindful enough to cultivate metta throughout all these general activities. Something else which is needed is virya, um, effort. In the practice of metta meditation, the virya effort refers to the effort that is like um, pushing the metta from behind. So, when we practice metta meditation, uh, when we practice metta meditation, then we have to be careful that we are mindful enough to cultivate metta, to cultivate loving kindness, and we have to put enough effort into the practice so that we do not stop the cultivation of metta. To use another example, we can say metta meditators are like a driver driving a car. Um, a driver has to be mindful that he drives uh, on the right road, that he doesn't take that he doesn't take a wrong turn. Yeah. 
car driver needs to be careful, needs to be attentive, that he um, steers the car in the direction he wants to go, or that he steers the car on the road he wants to drive. And um, the car driver needs also to be attentive um, uh, to, to use the brake when it's necessary. I've never driven a car. <laughs> So, I don't break. Yes, break. Steer and break. Steer and break. Steer and break. Is mindfulness. Yes, steer. Sati is this one. This one is break. Sayadaw has never driven a car either. (laughs) (laughs) So Sati is the steering. (laughs) And Virya is the brake. So, one has to be careful that the car stays on the road, does not get off the road. And one also has to use the brake uh, when it's necessary. And uh, meditators who engage in metta meditation practice, they have to be careful or they have to be mindful that one is continuously uh, cultivating metta, to be careful that the mind does not go off and follows the nivaranas, the hindrances. Yes, the thing is, you do, 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 do
when there is no sati, no mindfulness, then one does not stay on the metta road, but the mind goes off with other objects, then the mind goes off with the nivaranas, the hindrances, or the mind goes off with the kilesas, the defilements. And if there is no viriya, then the metta practice may stop or the metta might disappear altogether. So one should be careful not to stop the metta practice, but to always have it going. And so this is virya, which always has it going or pushes it to continue. For some, medita- for some meditators, the metta practice is going up and down, sometimes good, sometimes not so good. And this is a sign that sati, mindfulness, and virya effort are weak. As Sayadaw has said many times already, or says repeatedly, metta meditators are not like vipassana meditators. Vipassana meditators who are practicing the Satipatthanas. So they are mindful of whatever objects arise. So whatever object is distinct, they are mindful of these objects. Vipassana meditators practicing uh, the Satipatthanas, they do not have only one object on which one, on which they are constantly focused. It's not like this. For metta meditators, however, they should not follow uh, distinct objects which appear. They should, on the contrary, they should focus their mind only on the person they have chosen as the object for their metta meditation. Uh, 
for example, if one has, has chosen a dear friend, a close person as the object, then one is only focused on this dear friend um, as the object of one's metta meditation. When other objects appear, then one should not follow the, these other objects, one should not observe or note them, but one should stay with this one person. And also, if sensations in the body arise, be they pleasant or unpleasant, painful, one should not pay attention to these sensations, but one should keep one's mind focused on that person, on that dear person, who is the object of one's metta meditation. Or else, if there are pleasant or unpleasant experiences in the mind, pleasant, unpleasant mental objects, one should not be aware of them, but one should keep the mind focused on the dear person who is the object of one's metta meditation. If such other objects arise, then as soon as we notice them, when we notice that the mind has gone to such an other different object, one brings the mind immediately back to the dear friend who is one's object. If unpleasant, uh, painful experiences uh, arise, one should not get upset or disappointed about these unpleasant experiences. If one gets upset or angry or disappointed because of these bad, unpleasant experiences, that will make the metta uh, disappear. When pleasant mental experiences uh, arise, then one should not enjoy these pleasant mental states. One should not become attached to these pleasant mental states. If one enjoys such pleasant mental uh, states, if one gets attached to these mental pleasant experiences, that 
um, will make the meta disappear. So it's very important that meta does not uh, disappear. Therefore, we have to be very uh, careful to be attentive that the meta does not disappear, that the meta does not stop. This is like the driver driving a car, uh, what Saito uh, just had said beforehand. So the driver driving a car must be very careful to stay on the road, not to uh, get off the road. And likewise, one needs to be careful, one needs to be attentive that the meta stays on course, that one doesn't stop. The, or that meta doesn't stop, does, that it does not disappear. Now, Sayado wants to relate the story of a man called Dananjani. In the town of Rajagaha, there lived a Brahmin called Dananjani. And Dananjani, he had a lot of respect for the venerable Sariputta. And then one day, he fell sick. He was already quite old, and so when he got sick, he, he thought of Venerable Sariputta. And thinking of Venerable Sariputta, he sent one of his servants to, to get the Venerable. So Dananjani told his servant, please go to Venerable Sariputta and invite him to come to my house. Please tell him that the Brahmin Dananjani is very sick and it looks like he will die of this sickness. Therefore, um, please invite Venerable Sariputta to come to my house. 
So then the servant went to Venopasari Putta and told him what Dananjani had said. And so with that, Venerable Sariputta came to his house. Venerable Sariputta sat beside Dananjani. He greeted him and said, Dananjani, how are you? How is your sickness? Is it getting worse? Or do you getting is it getting a bit better? And he answered, um, my sickness is not getting better, it is getting worse. And he also said, um, this is not the kind of sickness that um, will get less or that I will recover from, but this is a sickness that I most likely will die of. And he said, so please, um, uh, yeah. give me um, a Dhamma talk, please uh, tell me something good and beneficial. When Sariputta then asked Dananjani, Dananjani, what do you think? Um, the beings in the hell realm or the animals in the animal realms, in which realm is there more suffering? In which realm is there a bit more happiness? Um, he said compared to the hell realm the animals in the animal realm have a bit less suffering and then Sariputta asked Comparing the animal realms and the peta realm, hungry ghosts, in which realm is more suffering, in which realm is more happiness? Um, and Dananjani said, compared to the animal realms, 
the petas in the hungry ghost realms have a bit less suffering, a bit more happiness. And then Venerable Sariputta asked, and now comparing the Peta realm and the human realm, in which realm is less suffering or more happiness? And Ananjani said, there is a bit less suffering and more happiness in the human realm. And then Venerable Sariputta asked, comparing the human realm and the Chattu Maharajaka Deva realm, in which realm is less suffering or more happiness? And Dananjani said, in the Chattu Maharaja Deva realm is less suffering and more happiness. And then Venapasari Puta asked, comparing the Chattu Maharaja Deva realm and the Tavatimsa Deva realm, in which one of them is less suffering, in which one is more happiness. And Dananjani said, in the Tavatimsa Deva realm, there is less suffering, there is more happiness. And then Venerable Sariputta went through all the six Deva realms and asked these questions. And each higher, in each higher Deva realm, there is less suffering and there is more happiness. Then Venerable Sariputta asked, now comparing the Deva realms and the Brahma realms, in which of them is less suffering, in which of them is more happiness? When Venapasari Buddha had mentioned the word Brahma realm, this word Brahma made Dananjani very happy. His uh, face lighted up. And um, hearing this word, it gave him mental strength. And 
Dhananjani was a Brahmin, and so as such, uh, he, the Brahmins, they worship Brahma. So when he heard this word Brahma, um, he got very happy. He became very uh, full of joy. When Sariputta uh, noticed uh, what happened with Dananjani and uh, he thought, mm, it looks like that this Brahmin, Damanjani, um, likes to hear this word Brahma. And so with that, Varnapal Sariputta decided that he would give him a Dhamma talk uh, pointing out how to reach this Brahma realm. So, how to reach this Brahma realm? First of all, Venodasari Putta talked about Metta. And then he talked about Karuna, compassion. Then, as a third step, he talked about mudita, sympathetic joy. And then, as a fourth step, he talked about upeka, equanimity. Venerable Sariputta then gave the instruction to the Brahmin Dananjani to direct his mind to all beings in the eastern direction. And he told him that he should cultivate metta for all living beings in the eastern direction, wishing May all beings in the eastern direction be well, happy, and peaceful. May they be well, happy, and peaceful. And with that, the Brahmin Dananjani uh, directed his mind into the eastern direction and started to cultivate loving kindness to all beings in the eastern direction, cultivating like this. May all beings in the eastern direction be well, happy, and peaceful. May they all be well, happy, and peaceful. 
Then Venerable Sariputta said to Damnanjani, and now direct your mind into the, to the western direction and cultivate loving kindness to all beings in the western direction. Like, may all beings in the western direction be well, happy, and peaceful. May they all be well, happy, and peaceful. Then the Brahmin Dananjani practiced like Venerable Sariputta had told him, inclining the mind to the western direction and cultivating loving kindness to all the beings there. May all beings in the western direction be well, happy, and peaceful. May all beings in the western direction be well, happy, and peaceful. And in this way, the Venerable Sariputta instructed uh, Dananjani to cultivate metta in the ten directions. And Dananjani uh, followed Venerable Sariputta's instructions and he cultivated metta for all the beings in the ten directions, one direction after the other. And practicing in this way, he attained the jhana, the absorptions. So, reaching the jhana, the absorption means that when he was cultivating metta for the beings in the eastern direction, that the mind was one-pointedly focused on the beings in the eastern direction, wishing them well, being completely absorbed in that. Then we talk of jhana. Or else, if uh, you are cultivating metta for a dear friend, when your mind is one-pointedly focused on your friend, and when the quality of metta is present, so completely absorbed into that, then we speak of jhana. Mm. 
when the mind is completely focused on one's friend, who is the object of our meditation, so when the mind is completely focused and absorbed in that, that can last for five minutes, or it can last for ten minutes, or it can also last for half an hour. So when the mind becomes really um, calm, tranquil, and is one-pointedly focused on the object, on the friend, then we speak of jhana. So jhana, what we call jhana, is one-pointedness of mind. And when the mind becomes uh, calm, concentrated through the practice of metta meditation, then we call it metta jhana. So when the mind is uh, calm and focused on the friend together with the feeling or quality of metta, then we talk of the metta jhana. And when the mind is one-pointedly focused on the friend, um, together with the quality of metta, then uh, the mind becomes joyful, the mind uh, is overcome with rapture, or the mind becomes calm. So, for example, we cultivate metta for a friend by wishing, may my friend be well, happy, and peaceful. May my friend be well, happy, and peaceful. So, our mind is completely focused on that friend, uh, wishing him to be well. And so, then the mind is constantly, or in each moment, uh, directed towards the object, directed towards uh, that friend who is the object.
So let's say we cultivate metta for this friend, wishing him, her to be happy and well. And so like the first time or the first moment, our mind is directed uh, towards the object, that friend, focused uh, on that friend one-pointedly. And then the next time, the next moment again, the mind is completely focused on the object, on that friend. And the third time, the third moment as well, the mind is completely focused on that friend, uh, on that object. So um, in this way, one moment after the other, the mind is always completely focused uh, on that object, on that friend. And when this happens, we uh, speak of uh, the jhana. And when we are able to be focused, be one-pointedly focused on that friend who is the object of our meditation, and not only one, two, three times, but ten times, thirty times, forty times, so that with that the um, uh, jhana gains in strength. And likewise, Dananjani was cultivating metta for all beings in the ten directions, one direction after the other, and the mind got one-pointedly focused on the object. The mind did not go out anymore, and in this way uh, he reached the jhana. And as he was cultivating metta, then he died, and he was reborn in the Brahma realm. And after Dananjani's death, Venerable Sariputta went back to the monastery. And when Venerable Sariputta uh, came back to the monastery, the Buddha asked him, Venerable Sariputta, what kind of Dhamma did you teach to the Brahmin Dhammanjani? And Venerable Sariputta answered, um, I talked about the four Brahma Viharas. <coughs> I talked about Metta, Karuna, Mudita, and Upeka. <coughs> and 
And then the Buddha said, um, you know, in my sasana, um, I have been teaching a way to become free from uh, dangers of aging, sickness, and death. I have been teaching on of how one can escape samsara, of how one can become liberated from all suffering. So why did you only uh, talk about the four Brahma Viharas? And the meaning is that uh, the Buddha reprimanded Venerable Sariputta for not having uh, talked about Vipassana meditation. And with that, Venerable Sariputta realized that he had forgotten um, to teach about Vipassana meditation, the way to become completely free. And so he reflected where the Brahmin had been reborn and uh, with his mental power, he realized that he had been reborn in the Brahma realm. The Venerable Sariputta realized that the Buddha wanted him to teach the Brahmin Vipassana meditation. And with his supernormal powers, he went up to that Brahma realm. And there in that Brahma realm, the Venerable Sariputta then uh, talked about the Vipassana meditation to the Brahmin Dananjani. And by doing so, the Brahmin Dhammanjani realized the first stage of enlightenment, became a Sotapanna, realizing the Sotapati, Maka and Pala, the path and fruit of stream entry. With the practice of the metta meditation, he had established a deep concentration, and based on that deep concentration, it was easy to get insights and uh, to realize the Dhamma. We can understand that the practice of metta meditation is a very helpful, a powerful base for the attainment of uh, 
Magapala for the attainment of path and fruition knowledge. So metta practice is a powerful base for the vipassana practice. This means that when one is practicing vipassana meditation on the base of metta meditation, then one will be able to quickly gain insights. Through the practice of metta meditation, the mind becomes calm, tranquil, concentrated. And also through the practice of metta meditation, the mind becomes uh, peaceful, tranquil. And so then based on this, when one practices vipassana meditation, um, one will be able to quickly gain insights, to clearly see and with that quickly uh, attain Maka Pala, path and fruition knowledge. So what Sayadaw has told today in his talk is that uh, for metta meditators it is important to have sati, mindfulness, and virya, effort. So, metta meditators should always be attentive, should have mindfulness that they stay on the path or that they stay on the road. And to make sure that the, the metta practice doesn't stop, that there are no gaps, or to make sure that the practice is not going up and down, um, one should always uh, put enough effort into the practice. So, if one makes sure, if one makes sure that sati, mindfulness, and virya effort are always present then the mind will become one-pointedly focused on the object. So, um, when the one-pointedness on the object, when the calmness is not yet strong, then the jhana is also not strong. But when this one-pointedness is really strong, that uh, makes the jhana strong. <laughs> <laughs> 
And Sayadaw will explain in his next summer talk um, how um, to make the mind stable or um, the calmness strong. So, when the one-pointedness is not yet so strong, then one calls it the first jhana. When the one-pointedness becomes stronger, this is called the second jhana. When it becomes even stronger, it's the third jhana. And when it's even stronger than that, that's the fourth jhana. So, in his next talk, Sayadaw will talk about this different levels of jhana. So with that, then you can judge whether or not you have reached the jhana or which jhana you have attained. Some of the meditators have attained a jhana, but they might not know that they have actually attained a jhana. So quite a number of the meditators have attained a jhana. And if you die while um, having attained a jhana, then for sure you will be reborn in the Brahma realm. And then you will meet the Brahmin Dhananjani. <laughs> so therefore, uh, do not slack in your practice, but uh, respectfully and diligently continue with your practice. And by diligently and respectfully continuing with your practice, may you be able to reach the metta jhana. Sadhu, sadhu, sadhu. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.